Monday, the 19th of February, as we get into the first full week of the Lenten season, let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you loved us while we were still sinners. Teach us to love those whom we are tempted to judge. You taught the law of love by your death on the cross. Show us how to follow in your footsteps in our daily lives. You gave us life when we were dead in sin. Raise us to new life through our Lenten observance. O God of love and mercy, you sent your own Son to live among us and to die for us when we were trapped in the ways of sin and death. Through this season of Lent, set us free from all our selfish ways to live your law of love as disciples of Christ. We ask this through him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. It is a better way to continue through the season of Lent. The Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. If you look for the video feed, uh, it's not up and running today because Travis is is not with us. But pray for Travis because he's doing something cool today. Pray for Travis. He's a good guy. Up this hour, Kevin Schmiesing is going to be along with a look at This Week in Catholic History. Father Patrick Briscoe from Our Sunday Visitor will talk about a, uh, Knights of Columbus Novena for Ukraine. Uh, we'll look at what St. John Damascene had to say about the Holy Spirit and the Eucharist. Uh, it's quoted in the Catechism, which means that Father John Gavin will be the one to unpack that thought. And then speaking of the Eucharist, Dr. Jared Stout will uh, discuss how we should prepare ourselves spiritually, uh, morally, and the rest to receive the Eucharist when we go to Mass. So stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past. News service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's pulled out of a out of ceasefire negotiations over the war in Gaza because of what he calls delusional demands by Hamas. They're calling for a permanent ceasefire and the release of more than 1,500 prisoners from Israeli jails. Netanyahu also said Israeli forces will continue their offensive in the southern border town of Rafah, where more than a million Palestinians have been seeking refuge. Meanwhile, Congress is apparently one vote away from giving Ukraine a $60 billion foreign aid package. President Biden says he's confident it will pass. A statement from the White House blamed Ukraine's retreat from a city seen as a key stronghold on congressional inaction after Ukrainian soldiers had to ration ammunition due to dwindling supplies. The loss was Russia's first noticeable gain since May. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis offered prayers for Sudan and Mozambique amid more violence in those regions of Africa. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Pope Francis urged global leaders to push for peace in all places racked by war, mentioning especially Sudan and northern Mozambique, where a Catholic mission was attacked. Speaking after the Angelus prayer, the Pope recalled that 10 months have passed since the conflict broke out in Sudan, leading to a serious humanitarian situation. He asked everyone to pray that paths to peace may be found so as to build the future of Sudan. 
The Pope also lamented a flare-up in violence against defenseless populations, the destruction of infrastructure and widespread insecurity in the northern Cabo Delgado region of Mozambique. He noted that the Catholic mission of Our Lady of Africa in Mazese was set ablaze. Let us pray for peace to return to that tormented region, said the Pope. War, he recalled, is always a defeat. I'm Devin Watkins. Pope Francis, in his catechesis, called Lent an appropriate time to confront inner struggles. During his Angelus address, the Holy Father used Christ's journey through the desert and the Gospel of Mark to reflect on the struggles and temptations of Christians today. He said Jesus was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. He followed that by saying, we encounter wild beasts and angels in our own inner wilderness. Former President Donald Trump says the $355 million judgment against him in his New York State civil trial is a very sad day for the country. Brian Shook reports. He said the judge in the case is crooked and he spent his life trying to build a great company. He called the New York Attorney General corrupt and said the verdict was election interference. Trump confirmed he will be appealing the ruling that was, quote, a witch hunt. He added the companies were on board with his business dealings and everyone made money. I'm Brian Shook. California is bracing for more possible flooding over the next few days. Santa Barbara County along The central coast is once again expected to be among the hardest hit areas. Emergency officials are issuing evacuation warnings for some areas because of possible flash flooding and landslides, possibly through Wednesday. Heavy mountain snow is also predicted along with gusty winds. A winter storm warning has been issued for the Lake Tahoe area. And the Daytona 500 was officially a rainout yesterday. The Great American Race will instead be run at Daytona International Speedway at 4 p.m. Eastern time today. So there you go, Matt. 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. For the Daytona. For the Daytona on a Monday. You know, we've had a we've had a Daytona guy on the air before. I know it. We got to go back and figure because uh, Bobby Allison is a you know. His, he comes from a legendary racing family, and uh, he told us the story years and years ago about inviting, uh, you know, the priest in the area. He went to mass, and they started talking, and he was like, hey, you should come and watch the race today, and got his priest out to watch him race. Which is pretty cool. We, we need to find some of that some of that stuff. Back in the archives? Back in the, deep in the archives. Deep in the sunrise morning. It's weird. Believe- well, we've been around for a very, very long time at this point, so... Yeah. We have lots of interesting things in the archives. Like, we've been around as long as some people have had kids, like, in high school. Isn't the Sunrise Morning Show 16 years old? I've been around for 15 years. Ah, 07. Yeah. So, I don't know what the math is. What's 24 minus 7? I don't know. I don't know. I can't do that math this early in the morning. 17 years. Wow. Pushing 17. Wow, wow. 17 full ones. That's crazy. I think we're in the 17th one. So somewhere deep in the archives. Yes. We'll see. I'll see if I can find that at some point just to, you know, maybe we'll put it up on Facebook or something for folks to enjoy. One. I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I, I can mean, do. We, wouldn't, it, we didn't have a live show on the day that the Daytona was supposed to run, but today it turns out that we do have a live show on the day that the Daytona is actually running. It's a good point. Or some people just call it the 500. The 500. 100? The 500. 500. 
Today is Monday, February the 19th. Happy President's Day, everybody. Right now, it's eight past. It's time for our weekly look at this week in Catholic history here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmeezing, is back with us for it. He is author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History from Ave Maria Press. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Anna. So this week we're going to be focusing on the deaths of uh, two people who died in very different time periods. Let's start in the 15th century and one of the greatest artists of the church. Yeah, two different people in different time periods, but they're actually both born in Italy, Anna. So that's a common point of connection. Nice. Uh, the first one is Fra Angelico. That's a name many people will recognize, especially if you're interested in art. Uh, he died this week in 1455. Many would agree, I think, that one of the world's greatest periods of artistic expression was the Renaissance, and more specifically, the Italian Renaissance. Many Catholics were central to that movement, including Fra Angelico. He's known variously as Guideo di Pietro, Giovanni de Fasoli, and most commonly, Fra Angelico, angelic brother. We don't know much about his early years, including the date of his birth. By the 1420s, for sure, and possibly earlier, he had joined the Dominicans. He painted frescoes in the Order's churches in Cortona, Fisoli, and most famously in the Renaissance hotbed of Florence at the Friary of San Marco. That's where the notorious Dominican friar Savonarola would spend time just a few decades later. <laughs> At San Marco, Fra Angelico completed two of his best-known works, The Annunciation and the San Marco Altarpiece. Beginning in the 1440s, he was recruited by various popes for commissions in Rome. He died at the Dominican convent in Rome this week, February 18th in 1455. His epitaph includes this line, The deeds that count on earth are not the ones that count in heaven. Mm -hmm. His deeds on earth were impressive, but Fra Angelico's life and work reflected the fact that his focus was on heaven. In 1982, Pope John Paul II beatified Fra Angelico, and in 1984, the same pope designated him a patron saint of artists. So he joins a few others in that category, including Saint Luke. Fra Angelico died this week in 1455. Yeah, speaking of that monastery at San Marco, I once asked art historian Liz Lev if we knew which cell he lived in because i really mm. wanted to know which painting he woke up looking at and <laughs> yeah we don't know we don't know which one was his but alas some really incredible meditations on the stories of scripture that uh, fra angelico painted on those walls now let's move a little closer to the common era that we have today 1941 and the death of the fastest nun in the West. Yeah, another extraordinary figure in a different way. Sister Blandina Sigali uh, died this week in 1941. Um, she was, as I mentioned, born in Italy also, born near Genoa in 1850. When she was four years old, her family emigrated to the United States. They settled in Cincinnati, in your neck of the woods, Anna. Yeah. In 1866, Rosa and her sister Maria both joined the Sisters of Charity, who were established there in Cincinnati. Rosa took the name Sister Blandina. After a few years teaching in Steubenville, Ohio, Blandina was assigned to the western frontier, the mining town of Trinidad in southern Colorado. So she trekked out over the Santa Fe Trail to Colorado in 1872, joined four other sisters in Trinidad, where they built and staffed the area's first school. In a series of letters and diary entries, Sister Blandina tracked her remarkable experiences in the Wild West 
including nearly being killed by runaway horses, saving a man about to be lynched by facing down a mob, and caring for an injured member of the outlaw gang of Billy the Kid. I'm making all those episodes sound a lot more boring than they actually were, Anna. <laughs> you can read about it firsthand in her book, At the End of the Santa Fe Trail, which has been reprinted several times. Uh, it's easily accessible. And she makes these stories extremely interesting. In 1876, Sister Blandina was transferred to New Mexico, first Santa Fe, then Albuquerque, where she taught children, nursed the sick, and visited the imprisoned. In 1894, she returned to Cincinnati. She still had a long life ahead of her. She and her sister dedicated themselves to serving impoverished Italian immigrants, including tackling the terrible problem that we now call human trafficking. In the 1930s, she helped promote the sainthood cause for her order's founder, Elizabeth Ann Seton, which would culminate eventually in Elizabeth's canonization in 1975. In 1941, shortly after her 91st birthday, Sister Blandina passed away. It was this week, February 23rd. Her own cause for canonization was opened in 2014, and so she is servant of God, Blandina Sigali. She died this week, 1941. May she and Blessed Fra Angelico pray for us. We've been talking to Kevin Schmiesing, and you can find his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, as well as the Catholic History Trek podcast, linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Dot com. Some great figures to remember today, Kevin. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. And uh, by the way, speaking of his book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, Sister Blandina Gardens, Colorado, is one of the stops in that pilgrimage. So go pick up a copy. Again, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. A Pacific system will be kicking it up a notch, unfortunately, for the western third of the country. In particular, severe thunderstorms, heavy rain, and flash flooding are all possible for the lower elevations in California. Tornadoes, surprisingly, and damaging winds will be the primary threats in part of the Central Valley today. Along the coast, from Southern California to Northern Washington, thunder and flash flooding will remain problematic throughout the day. In the Sierra Nevada, heavy snow will fall from sunup to sundown. Elsewhere in the Mountain West, a mix of rain and snow will fall beginning by midday and lasting for the rest of the day. In other areas of the nation, lake effect snow will fall in northern New York and northern Michigan this morning. In southern Illinois, there's a slight chance for a mix of rain and snow after sunset. Along the Florida Atlantic coast, isolated showers will fall in the morning, but begin to taper off. The rest of the nation will enjoy a calm, sunny day with high pressure dominating. We got headlines coming up next. It's quarter past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Support is from MediShare. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month, and that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want to plan 
you're happy with. You can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Did you give up coffee or caffeine for Lent? Be sure to check out the tea and decaf offerings from the Mystic Monks of Wyoming. Find a link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sunrisemorningshow.com. When you make a purchase after clicking our link, we earn a commission to help support the show. The monks also have their seasonal favorite Pasca Java available for you to buy now in anticipation of your Easter Sunday feast. And why not add a Sunrise Morning Show mug to include in the Easter basket? Find those mugs and a Mystic Monk Coffee link at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN Radio is seeking a dynamic radio producer to join the EWTN Radio team in Irondale, Alabama. The right candidate will be a passionate, multi-skilled, talented professional who can manage and direct all aspects of producing world-class radio broadcasts and play an integral part in Mother Angelica's mission. If this is you or someone you know, email a resume and cover letter including salary requirements to humanresources at EWTN.com. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with headlines. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he's pulling out of a ceasefire negotiation over the war in Gaza because of what he calls delusional demands. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis offered prayers for Sudan and northern Mozambique and in his catechesis called Lent an appropriate time to confront our inner struggles. Indeed it is. Indeed. Indeed it is. Hope everybody's Lent's going well. You making it through? So far. So far, so good. So far. You know, we had, uh, we're in those those sort of like Lenten doldrums, as it were. I know the Daytona 500's today, but we're a week removed from the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Pitchers and catchers have reported, but, you know, we don't really have the spring training schedule rocking and rolling. So That's it's, right. uh, it's a little bit of a chance. We're not in the, the madness of March has not yet begun. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is a is a chance to be like you know what you're gonna shut it's off the TV just tonight. Like shut off the TV, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you may watch the Daytona. It's a Monday. There's nothing that says that you can't. But uh, there's not the same. I mean, the All Star Weekend's over. Mm-hmm. If the NBA is your thing, so actually, you know what? If you want to turn something on tonight, uh, Anna Mitchell, journey you want home. A little, bit, a little bit of a football fix, but uh, you know, want to maybe take the spiritual angle. So tonight. Uh, is a guy named Santonio Hill, and I think I might have mentioned him on the air before. Oh, yeah. Uh, Santonio's got a cool story. Uh, he had a Division One scholarship to go play college football mm-hmm. and was, like, super pumped, and that was going to be his whole world. Uh, he was going to become a millionaire and get out of his small town and play for the NFL and win Super Bowls. And then a priest asked him a question, uh, and it sort of triggered a whole bunch of stuff for him. Uh, he ended up going to seminary for a few years wow. and after discerning out of that got married and now works uh at a um a life affirming women's center uh in the Pittsburgh area called Gift of Mary. Cool. Uh and there are a whole bunch of reasons why he ended up in that ministry specifically that I'm not going to spoil. Uh but it just had to do m- m- with more than anything just some interesting pro-life things that happened in his own background that he didn't find out about until later. I mean, it's a really, oh, really good story. So, yeah, check out Santonio San tonight on, on the journey home. What time does that begin, Matt? That's 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN. Nice. You know, I told him when I met him, I'm like, you do have kind of like an ultimate football name. Like, oh. you can just be like, 
you know, Santonio Hill down the sideline for 12 yards, mm-hmm. first down. Well, you know, just, there was It rolls a off the tongue as like a football. Former yeah. Buckeye, Santonio Holmes. Holmes, of course. Every time you say Santonio, I think you're going to say Holmes, and then you... But you were that's say because that. I um, mentioned our San, San Antonio affiliate on Guadalupe Radio or something. <laughs> well, that too. That too. But either way, it's a great story. And what's funny is that uh, when he came, his family came with him, his wife and his son, and his wife was expecting. And since we recorded it, uh, they've had their second child. So oh, the kid who was there and didn't get so the, the one son, uh, his one kid did get to watch his dad on TV while he was taping, and now the other kid just gets, gets to, to watch, watch on TV on real TV. And be so confused, like Dad, why are you in this room and on that box at the same time? Those infants, you know, what is going on? Agnes deals with this all the time. 8 p.m. Eastern on the journey home. It's 21 past starting to think outside the box to find new customers you can reach millions of engaged catholic listeners by underwriting the sunrise morning show each weekday morning listeners across the u.s and around the globe can hear your message for your business ministry or nonprofit on the sunrise morning show to find out how it works email me leah at sacredheartradio.com that's leah at sacredheartradio.com. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, Go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. This is Deacon Bob Schrader with the Lenten prayer to be freed of the seven deadly sins. O meek Savior and Prince of Peace, implant in me the virtues of gentleness and patience. Let me curb the fury of anger and restrain all resentment and impatience. O model of humility, divest me of all pride and arrogance. O teacher of abstinence, help me to serve you rather than our appetites, and let me hunger and thirst for your justice. O lover of purity, remove all lust from my heart. O father of the poor, help me to avoid all covetousness and give me a love for heavenly things. O exemplar of love, keep me from all envy and ill will. O zealous lover of souls, Keep me from all sloth of mind or body, so that I may do all things for you and in you. Amen. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell coming to you from the studios of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. And we are grateful that you are joining us on this Monday of the first week of Lent. We're having a little trouble getting Father Patrick Briscoe on the line right now. But Matt, I would like to uh, talk to you about this topic and hopefully Father Patrick can come in and uh, and take over the info once uh, once we can, you know, dial him up and get him on the line. But did you realize that I believe it is this week 
is the second anniversary of the most recent Russian invasion of Ukraine. You know, it is it's hard to believe that it's been going on that long. Um, of course, it's a very, very, very long history of conflict well, yeah. of some kind between Ukraine and Russia. But yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe. I mean, these wars seem sort of interminable in our day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how people experienced things like World War One and World War Two uh, in real time. Um, but in oh, our 24-hour news cycle, yeah. they they sort of happen and then they fade into the background and they sort of keep going and other things grab the headlines. And I, I think I think also because of the way that the, we we process news, you know, you can go to a a major news site and you've got you know a number of people dying in a conflict overseas. Uh, and it's the same headline size as somebody winning a Grammy or yeah. something like that. And so it gets really distorted in our minds, like how what the magnitude is or or how how saddened we should be by certain things. And we just get overloaded. I mean, here in um, the D.C. area, there was a house that exploded uh, over the weekend well, and it was in Virginia. But we felt the explosion at our house in Maryland and whoa. a firefighter was killed and a dozen people were injured, and I, I Goodness all I saw gracious. was like political headlines everywhere, right? Because there's mm-hmm. there's just this we have we have tragedy fatigue of a sort, yeah. um, we have outrage fatigue, and so it's hard for us to figure out how to process these things properly, and and yeah, uh, how to even pray for them properly. That's a good point. Well, the uh, prayer being the operative word here. So uh, what we were going to talk to Father Briscoe about was uh, this novena for peace in Ukraine that the Knights of Columbus have put together. And it's a really beautiful site and uh, video opportunity with um, with a daily prayer. Now, of course, we're in the midst of the novena, but I would imagine that starting today, uh, the Lord will still hear your prayers. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about, and actually I'll just lay this out here. So day one is praying for the widows, day two, praying for the orphans, day three, praying for parents who have lost their children in the war. Day four, praying for emergency responders and medical professionals and the people that they're caring for. Day five, praying for the veterans. Day six, praying for all who have died during the war. Day seven, praying for internally displaced people and for refugees. Day eight, praying for those living in captivity. And day nine, praying for the young people. And uh, there is, uh, they've adapted a Byzantine prayer in time of need as the daily prayer, but they've put up each day a reflection um, that was written by a young woman who has been working with the Knights of Columbus in Poland. She actually fled Ukraine 10 years ago when, when the Russian invasion was happening back then and has been living in Poland ever since and and working with the Knights of Columbus in these tents of mercy that uh, Ukrainian refugees are encountering when they come to the border with Poland. And I mean, I guess 
one of the things that that I keep thinking about, you know, Pope Francis last week um, encouraged it was during his his general audience on Wednesday, encouraged us, the faithful, to intensify our prayers for peace during Lent. And we look at a situation like what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in the Holy Land or, or you know, name your conflict around the world that's been going on. And, and you wonder, like, what effect is my prayer actually having? You know, like, it, it's hard to maintain that faith. Even, I mean, even for those of us who are, I, I mean, probably especially for us, who are watching this from a distance and just think, what can I do to fix this? And there's not really anything we can do to fix it per se, but our prayers do matter. Our prayers do matter. We may not see it on this side of the veil, but our prayers do matter. We have to maintain that faith, Matt. Well, of course we do. And I think about this in relation to uh, a couple of people that we have on the show from time to time, uh, specifically folks like you know Father Boniface Hicks and Father Augustine Weta mm-hmm. who are a part of the Benedictine tradition who take a vow of uh, you know poverty chastity obedience but also stability which means that you know ultimately they're kind of always going to be tied to their monastery and always kind of living in community and uh, there are people in those communities who don't really go much of anywhere I think of Trappists and, and you know mm-hmm. women who live in convents and when you think about prayer, if prayer is in effect, if prayer doesn't matter, those people are wasting their lives. But if prayer is as hmm. important as a good point. as the church tells us is and that Jesus tells us is, those people have like the most important job in the world. <laughs> so yeah. let's help them out with it. Absolutely. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news. The U.N. Security Council is set to vote tomorrow on a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. A draft resolution put forward by the North African country Algeria calls for the 15-member body to demand an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. The U.S. is expected to veto that resolution. In a statement Saturday, U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the text of the resolution could jeopardize what she called sensitive negotiations underway to broker a temporary truce in the war to release hostages. Meanwhile, in Washington, Congress is apparently one vote away from giving Ukraine a $60 billion foreign aid package, and President Biden says he's confident it will pass. A statement from the White House blamed Ukraine's retreat from a city seen as a key stronghold on congressional action after Ukrainian soldiers had to ration ammunition due to dwindling supplies. The loss was Russia's first noticeable gain since May. Meanwhile, a human rights group says more than 400 supporters of Alexei Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week. He died Friday in a maximum security prison in northern Russia. The group OVD Info, which monitors political arrests in Russia, said since Navalny's death, people have been arrested for simply placing flowers at one of his memorials. The group says more than 200 arrests have taken place in St. Petersburg alone, with some sentenced up to a week in jail. The 47-year-old Navalny was a harsh critic of Russian leader Vladimir Putin. 
In his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus's temptation in the desert. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Reflecting on the symbolic significance of the wilderness, the Pope urged Christians to delve into silence, to explore their inner worlds and connect with the truth, highlighting that in a symbolic sense, the wild beasts and angels that accompanied Jesus in the desert are also present in our own inner worlds. The Pope described the wild beasts as disordered passions that aim to seize our hearts, and he warned of their seductive nature. That he said, if we are not careful, risk tearing us apart. He named them as the lust for wealth, as the vanity of pleasure, and as the craving for fame. The Pope said we need to tame and fight these inner wild beasts to prevent them from devouring our freedom. Lent, he said, is the right time to do this. Then, focusing on the angelic presence in the desert, the Pope said angels are God's messengers who help us who do good. Underlining the transformative power of divine inspirations, the Pope explained how these inspirations unify and bring harmony to our hearts, providing a taste of Christ and the flavor of heaven. Stressing the importance of silence and prayer to discern these divine thoughts and feelings, the Holy Father reiterated that Lent is the time to do this. Pope Francis concluded with two crucial questions. What are the disordered passions, the wild beasts that agitate in my heart? And am I considering retreating into the wilderness, dedicating space to silence, prayer, adoration, and listening to the Word of God? May the Holy Virgin, who kept the Word and did not let herself be touched by the temptations of the evil one, help us on our way. I'm Linda Bordoni. New Hampshire residents will not be voted in November on a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. It was defeated last week by a Republican majority in the state Senate on a 14 to 9 vote. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin will not run for president following months of speculation that he would launch a third party bid. Brian Shook reports. Manchin made the announcement Friday morning in a speech at West Virginia University. The Democrat had appeared at events for the organization No Labels, which is overseeing a ballot access initiative for a potential independent bid in November. Manchin, who announced he would not seek another term for his Senate seat, had not ruled out a run for president until now. I'm Brian Shook. California is bracing for more possible flooding over the next few days. Santa Barbara County along the central coast is once again expected to be among the hardest hit areas. Emergency officials are issuing evacuation warnings for some areas. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
mysticmonks.com. If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. It is a difficult thing to have an exact idea of one's goal. But it is likewise true that all of us must perfectly pinpoint the virtue we are aiming to acquire. However, if we cannot do this, we must not lose courage or get upset. We must get as close to the goal as possible, because even the saints did not succeed in doing any more than that. Only our Lord and the Virgin Most Holy fully succeeded. Never believe the praises of people. At the very best, what they say is flattery, even if they do not recognize it as such. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin, author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. We've been going through the catechism and finding all the spots where the church fathers are quoted and unpacking some of those thoughts, and they are they are some pretty profound thoughts, let's just say. There's a reason they've endured for, you know, a dozen centuries or more, many cases. Father John Gavin, good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to talk about this quote today because uh, I work, you know, both professionally and personally with lots of people who come from evangelical backgrounds and mm-hmm. they're coming towards the Catholic Church and they're trying to understand what it means for Catholics to believe in the real presence. And there have been a number of times where I've used this quote from St. John Damascene today, and it's been so helpful in helping the light bulb come on for people on as to how it could be that the prayers of the priests could make Christ present, right? Like the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit could work in this action. So let's start. Why don't you tell us where this is in the Catechism and what St. John of Damascus has to say about the reality of the Eucharist? Sure. So we just finished going through the Catechism sections on the Creed, and now we are in a section on the uh, celebration of the Christian mystery. And we should pause on that maybe briefly, because mystery, it doesn't mean something like a Sherlock Holmes thing to solve, but rather the Greek word mysterion refers, first of all, to uh, hidden or uh, underlying meanings to signs and symbols, that which is presented to us. And in particular, they come to refer in uh, Eastern Christianity to the sacraments. So when we're talking about mysteries, we're talking about the sacraments. So this section is really looking at the uh, liturgical sacramental life of the Church. And the section we've come to here, uh, with this quote by St. John Damascene, who was a monk and theologian at the end of the 7th and into the 8th century, uh, actually an Arab Christian. 
Uh, this quote looks at the celebration of the Eucharist, and especially, as you just said, the uh, what takes place through the Holy Spirit, because you did say, yes, it's the words of the priest and the celebrant, but the reality is what's taking place is through the Holy Spirit in uh, the celebration of the, of the Eucharist. Yes, indeed. All right, so I'm just going to read this because it's such a powerful thought. Uh, and, and in the background, of course, we've talked about the Holy Spirit as the Lord, the giver of life in the creed, that the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. vivifies, that it, the Holy Spirit brings things to life. You know, the breath mm -hmm. of God brings Adam to life. There's all, all kinds of these images where breath and life uh, take place, and the Holy Spirit uh, is, is present there. So St. John says, You ask how the bread becomes the body of Christ and the wine, the blood of Christ, I shall tell you. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and accomplishes what surpasses every word and thought. And here's the stunner. It says, Let it be enough for you to understand that it is by the Holy Spirit, just as it was of the Holy Virgin and by the Holy Spirit, that the Lord through and in himself took flesh. Just that connection that the same mm -hmm. Holy Spirit who brings the incarnation to bear in the womb of Mary is bringing that same Christ uh, present to us in a very real way on the altar. It's a, it's a brilliant co connection that he makes, because, again, we're talking about the incarnation, the enfleshment of the Son, and what we see taking place on the altar, yes, he, he makes that connection to what takes place in the conception of Christ in Mary through the Holy Spirit, so it it opens us up to really uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the celebration of the liturgy. Uh, the Catechism makes this connection to the anamnesis, the recollection of what God has done for us, and especially in Christ. But the Holy Spirit, it's not just remembering things, like, oh, recalling things like a computer, but rather the Holy Spirit makes present what we are remembering in the celebration of the Eucharist, and in this case, especially the incarnation, the enfleshment of our Lord. Well, again, just coming back to that idea of what we say in the Creed, and maybe skip right over uh, in the Nicene Creed, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, uh, mm -hmm. right? That, that you know, just as you know, life, new life uh, exists in Mary's womb through that Holy Spirit, right? The The elements of bread and wine are, are brought to life and have become completely transformed and alive, mm. <laughs> right? It's, right. It's a, and it's through the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you see that the whole Trinity is present in this action, but it's, it, it's fascinating to me to isolate, like, where is—how can I identify the Holy Spirit in this particular process? It, I, I love it. You know, it's, it's really wonderful, and I'll, I'll add another quote from uh, St. John Damascene, uh, which is just before the section that you read in the same work on the Orthodox faith, that spells out more what this means for us in, uh, as you say, this, this coming of life in the Holy Spirit. He writes, But one can put it well thus, that just as in nature the bread by the eating and the wine and the water by the drinking are changed into the body and blood of the eater and the drinker, and do not become a different body from the former one, so the bread of the table and the wine and water are supernaturally changed by the invocation and presence of the Holy Spirit into the body and blood of Christ, and are not two but one and the same. Uh, 
it brings out a further element here, this, this quote I just read, how the Holy Spirit uh, in this action, uh, we become one with Christ in the reception of the Eucharist, in this what's uh, being celebrated upon the altar, this, this new life in us as well that is the life of Christ. Yeah, it's, you know, we talk about, you know, the body of Christ that hung on the cross, right? And we talk about mm. the body of Christ that we receive in Holy Communion, uh, but w- there's another way we talk about the body of Christ, and it's you and me as members of his church, right? And it, mm-hmm. it seems to me like all these ideas are kind of crashing into one another in this concept. Absolutely, because when uh, the Catechism also talks in this section about the, the epiclesis, the calling down of, of the Holy Spirit in the celebration of the liturgy, and yes, and we certainly focus on this when the, the priest holds his hands over the gifts and invokes the Holy Spirit at that point in the celebration of the liturgy. But also the Holy Spirit is being called down upon everyone present, right, to be formed in the body of Christ as well. We are about to receive him uh, in the body and blood, but we're also being formed by the Holy Spirit as well into that body of Christ in that church, in that celebration, but in uh, the church throughout the world. Every Mass has that significance. Well, there are a lot of people who are either on their way to daily Mass right now, uh, or perhaps going to be able to hear Holy Mass on the radio today. What would you say to uh, encourage people to pay attention to that moment in the Mass? and, and listen? What would you encourage them to listen for in that part of the Mass? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, again, the Holy Spirit is invoked upon us throughout the liturgy, and so every part of it is connected, from the liturgy of the Word to the words of institution. But especially when we see uh, the priest holding his hands over the bread and wine and invoking the Holy Spirit, to recognize especially and to be present in that moment that he is calling the Holy Spirit upon the gifts, but he is calling it uh, the Holy Spirit upon us all uh, in that point of the celebration, uh, that we may fully share in the gift and share in the life that the Holy Spirit is giving us. It's just such a, a rich concept to ponder. And again, I've used this quote from St. John Damascene so often for my evangelical friends because they think, how could this be? This is this doesn't seem possible. This seems like weird and something different than God would have had in mind. And I'm like, no. St. John Damascene says it's very consistent with what he's got in mind throughout salvation history. So, Father John Gavin, appreciate your time this morning. We've got your book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for having me. God bless. All right. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 14 Till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Born from the heart of St. Daniel Comboni, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most abandoned people in the world for more than 150 years. The Combonis improve quality of life with resources like food, clean water, and medicine. 
They provide vital education in schools and spiritually minister through the sacraments, all while preparing local Christian leaders to serve their people, now and in the future. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. Have you subscribed to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes? When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. I'm a convert, and I was received into the church. I was a junior in college. Recently, I've sort of had a reconversion where I've come back into the faith, I think, stronger than I've ever had it. When I heard this, this radio program today, it took me back to that moment, and it was so powerful for me that it really led me to where I am today. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. The U.N. Security Council is set to vote tomorrow on a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war, but is expected to be vetoed by the United States. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis offered prayers for Sudan and northern Mozambique and in his catechesis reflected on Jesus's temptation in the desert. You can hear the next newscast coming up in about 13-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 11 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book from Tan Books, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. You bet. And we're going to be talking about getting more out of Mass and our reception of Holy Communion, not in the sense that many of us think of it as if it's on Father or the Choir to, you know, make mass more interesting or more entertaining for me or to look at the ciborium like it's a vending machine or something. It's about how I prepare myself. And you have a lot in the book about this. Um, You know, getting ready for mass is more than just like throwing on some clothes, grabbing a cup of coffee and getting in the car to get to mass before the gospel, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say that it's impossible to enter into the Mass prayerfully if we're not entering into prayer beforehand. And not not just immediately beforehand, but I absolutely do recommend that. You know, showing up to Mass early, praying, getting in, into the right disposition, because there's a lot going on in you know, a Sunday Mass. Lots of people coming and going, there's lots of noise, and we have to really enter deeply into a spirit of prayer to be able to really perceive what's truly happening at the Mass and to enter into it. But I would say even more than just coming to Mass early, we need to form a disposition of prayer every single day to be ready uh, to have a deep encounter with Christ in the Eucharist on Sunday. So uh, talk about some of, 
you know, as I'm listening to you talk about arriving at Mass early and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, Dr. Stout, I've got four kids, nine and under, and I talk about near occasions of sin. The nearest occasion of sin to me is the hour before Mass when we're trying (laughs) to get out the door, you know, and I'm thinking, you know what, I should probably be worried about, like, matching socks and making sure that the kids know where their shoes are on Saturday night so that I can avoid that time where I'm I'm getting flustered and frustrated and getting to mass just a few minutes early and just in this harried state where I'm really not thinking about mass. Do you know that's why we actually have Saturday off? Mm. You know, we just kind of take that for granted. But why do we have a weekend? It's because on Saturday there's a lot of things that we need to do so that we can really enter into leisure on Sunday. And I think a lot of people have that kind of backwards. Like Saturday is a day to go have fun. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday is kind of the day you get take care of business. You go to the grocery store to become a big shopping day. Mm -hmm. But it's meant to be the opposite. So one of the things that we've done to help on Sunday morning, and I can't say that we're never running late, you know, Sunday morning, right? You've got what? You have six kids? Is that right? I do. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I do. (laughs) But, But nonetheless... It's, you know, what if, what if some people showered Saturday evening? We begin to think, okay, what needs to happen Sunday morning? What, what if we started doing some of that Saturday evening? And it really is meant to be a preparation day. There's a great passage in Maria von Trapp's, you know, book on the liturgical year called A Land Without a Sunday. And she describes, you know, all of the work that was needed uh, to be done on Saturday to get ready, right? And she talked about you know, preparing your clothes and laying them all out and, you know, a lot of the cleaning work that had to be done both in the house and with clothing to get them ready and all these things that needed to be done on Saturday so that you could go to Mass and, and just really be able to take that as a day set apart for the Lord and for family, for recreation and leisure on Sunday. So in in a way, I think we have things backwards and therefore mass becomes just one more thing within a busy Sunday. And it's not not meant to be that way. And this is what it's all about, ordering our week toward that first day, toward that Sunday. The whole entire week. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we even have these, uh, you know, themes for different days, you know, like certain day we honor the, you know, the guardian angels and St. Joseph, you know, Thursday, the day of the last supper is a day dedicated to the Eucharist actually. So it's a good day to to already be preparing. But I I think one of the key days is Friday Uh, because Friday is a day in which we honor our Lord's passion and crucifixion. It's a day of, of penance, you know, even mandated by canon law. That Friday is a day of penance. Every Friday is a, is a little Lent, the catechism says. And every Sunday is Easter, right? Mm-hmm. So within each week, you know, we, we should see like a progression of, of preparation to be able to enter into the resurrection more fully on Sunday and to enter into the Lord's peace and to his rest. And I, I think that if we look at Friday as this day of, of penance, of, of greater prayer and fasting, that will become crucial to preparing for Sunday. And then Saturday, get all the stuff done they need to get done, and then really be able to enter into Sunday through taking that time before Mass, after Mass. There's a tradition of Sunday Vespers coming back to church. Can you imagine that, coming back to church on Sunday? But yeah, that that is the tradition. 
and you know maybe sticking around uh, for for things um, at the parish, inviting people over to the home. Like let's make this a day of complete celebration. One other thing that really needs to be done on Saturday, right? And you have you have your literally your laundry list, right? Like mm -hmm. Maria von Trapp said, what's your laundry <laughs> list of things you need to prepare for Sunday Mass? But the most important one is confession. Mm. Um, because the, the laundry that we need to do ultimately is an interior cleansing, right? Not just getting the, the exterior clothes prepared to wear our Sunday best for mass, but the soul needs to be prepared. And, and so I think when we look at Friday as this day of penance, Saturday being the day when confession is offered most fully, th those are two key days to prepare to receive the Eucharist fruitfully at Sunday, not showing up and just going through the motions, receiving our Lord out of any kind of routine, but no, but deliberately preparing on those two days, especially. I think we're going to leave it there for now. This is not where I expected the conversation to go, but um, a very fruitful one with some, some great advice on using our week and the end of the week, particularly to get us ready for that first day of the week dedicated to the Lord. We've been talking to Dr. Jared Stout. We'll talk more about Sunday morning preparations the next time we get together, Dr. Stout. In the meantime, we've got How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Stout, thank you so much. You're welcome. You, and uh, you can find all of our guests linked on a daily basis in the show notes at sonrisemorningshow.com. Be sure to click subscribe. So you can get it in your inbox every morning. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up next for most of our affiliates on EWTN. Continue on this Monday, the 19th of February, praying a prayer by St. John Vianney in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I love you, O oh my God, and my only desire is to love you until the last breath of my life. I love you, O oh my infinitely lovable God, and I would rather die loving you than live without loving you. I love you, Lord, and the only grace I ask is to love you eternally. My God, if my tongue cannot say in every moment that I love you, I want my heart to repeat it to you as often as I draw breath. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis off today. So uh, so we're it's a video-free morning, so you, can, you can't tell uh, what kind of shirts we're wearing, as it were. But he'll be back tomorrow, and then you can watch the whole thing from the comfort of your own home. Teresa Tamio will be along here in just a little bit. Uh, she joins us from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection. We'll get more thoughts on personal prayer from Father Boniface Hicks. Bear Wozniak will discuss standards and Catholic men this morning. And then Stephanie Mann will have some meditation 
Reflections from St. Thomas More. So stay with us if you can. Full hour ahead. Right now it's two minutes past. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. The U.N. Security Council is set to vote tomorrow on a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. A draft resolution put forward by the North African country of Algeria calls for a 15, the 15-member 15 body to demand an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in the Gaza Strip. But the U.S. is expected to veto the resolution in a statement on Saturday. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Linda Thomas-Greenfield said the text of the resolution could jeopardize sensitive negotiations, as she put it, that are underway to broker a temporary truce in the war to release hostages. Congress is apparently one vote away from giving Ukraine a $60 billion foreign aid package, and President Biden says he's confident it will pass. A statement by the White House blamed Ukraine's retreat from a city seen as a key stronghold on congressional inaction after Ukrainian soldiers had to ration ammunition due to dwindling supplies. The loss was Russia's first noticeable gain since May. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis offered prayers for Sudan and Mozambique amid more violence in those regions of Africa. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports. Pope Francis urged global leaders to push for peace in all places racked by war, mentioning especially Sudan and northern Mozambique, where a Catholic mission was attacked. Speaking after the Angelus prayer, the Pope recalled that 10 months have passed since the conflict broke out in Sudan, leading to a serious humanitarian situation. He asked everyone to pray that paths to peace may be found so as to build the future of Sudan. The Pope also lamented a flare-up in violence against defenseless populations, the destruction of infrastructure and widespread insecurity in the northern Cabo Delgado region of Mozambique. He noted that the Catholic mission of Our Lady of Africa in Mazese was set ablaze. Let us pray for peace to return to that tormented region, said the Pope. War, he recalled, is always a defeat. I'm Devin Watkins. In his Angelus Catechesis, the Holy Father called Lent an appropriate time to confront inner struggles. He used Christ's journey through the desert in the Gospel of Mark to reflect on the struggles and temptations of Christians today. He said Jesus was with the wild beasts and the angels ministered to him. He followed by saying we encounter wild beasts and angels in our own inner wilderness. Nearly all of California is under a flood watch as another atmospheric river rolls in off the coast. The state is still saturated from the last powerful storm system that swept in off the Pacific, which dumped record amounts of rain in the area. The Weather Prediction Center has issued an excessive rain outlook for most of California through tomorrow. In Los Angeles, the National Weather Service has posted an alert saying a flood watch is in effect across the region through Wednesday morning and warned of heavy rain, strong winds, rock slides on canyon roads, and debris flows in areas burned by wildfires. Former President Donald Trump says the $355 million judgment against him in a New York state civil fraud trial is a very sad day for the country. 
Brian Shook reports. He said the judge in the case is crooked, and he spent his life trying to build a great company. He called the New York Attorney General corrupt and said the verdict was election interference. Trump confirmed he will be appealing the ruling that was, quote, a witch hunt. He added the companies were on board with his business dealings and everyone made money. I'm Brian Shook. A mass of reparation has taken place at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City after what's been described as a scandalous and raucous funeral mass for a well-known transgender activist took place there last week. The man identified as a woman and went by the name Cecilia Gentili. The Catholic News Agency reports the priest who presided over the mass used Gentili's preferred female pronouns and referred to him as, quote, our sister, and the petitions at the Mass included a prayer for so-called gender-affirming health care. The pastor of St. Patrick's Cathedral has since released a statement through the Archdiocese of New York saying, quote, the cathedral only knew that family and friends were requesting a funeral Mass for a Catholic and had no idea our welcome and prayer would be degraded in such a sacrilegious and deceptive way, end quote. He went on to say Cardinal Timothy Dolan directed them to offer a mass of reparation. And the prefect of the Dicastery for Promoting Christian Unity presided over an ecumenical prayer service at St. Peter's Basilica last week to mark the feast of the Coptic martyrs killed by ISIS in Libya back in 2015. Vatican News reports they were immediately declared martyrs by the Coptic Church, and Pope Francis did so last year. In his homily on Thursday, Cardinal Kurt Koch said, quote, the communion of martyrs undoubtedly speaks more eloquently than the divisions that still separate us today, end quote. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. Am yes. I right, Matt? And it bonds us, uh, well, if people die for Christ, then uh, in some mysterious way, they are our brothers <laughs> and sisters. Yes. Uh, especially uh, if they die in hatred of the faith. So, yeah. A reminder I think it's to pretty pray. cool. I mean, I would just, I, what, Thursday, what was the date on Thursday? That was, I'm trying to pull up my Thursday calendar. was the 15th. 15th. So I was focused on St. Claude de la Colombière. Of course. Who is a favorite of ours. Absolutely. But um, had not realized that uh, February 15th would be was the feast of of those martyrs. I remember when Pope Francis um, inscribed them in the Roman martyrology. So, yes, indeed. Well, may they pray for us. Yeah. And may may they ask Christ to grant us a measure of their courage and fidelity. Amen. It is the Sunrise Morning Show on this Monday, February 19th. Speaking of saints, we get to talk about one who's got a feature-length film about her that is uh, coming out. Teresa Tamio, good morning. Hey, good morning. Or should I say buongiorno in honor of uh, Francesca Cabrini, the movie Cabrini opening up March 8th uh, in theaters across the country on International Women's Day, which I think is very appropriate because she embodies what true womanhood is, especially male-female uh, you know, complementarity. It was an amazing film. I was able to screen it, as many members of the press often are, when a movie is coming out. And it's from the same folks who gave us The Sound of Freedom, 
So it's really well done. You have John Lithgow playing the mayor of New York and uh, David Morris playing the Archbishop of New York, and it's really, really beautiful film. And it's, I think it's going to have a huge impact. Well, I saw the trailer for it, and uh, when I saw John Lithgow show up, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, – I've, I've been a John Lithgow fan going about – back as far as a person can mm-hmm. go with his material, uh, at least a person who grew up in the 80s. But, yeah, I, I mean, how does he do in this? He, he was great. He, taught, he was the mayor of New York. It was his role, and he was really pushed back against her. She had so much opposition. I mean, even from within the church where they wanted her to stay because she was doing such a good job in northern Italy in her home area of Lombardy, which is part of where Pope Francis's family is from, actually. His parents are from Liguria and Lombardy, which is a northern part of Italy, two regions in northern Italy. But she was doing great work up there, and they didn't want her uh, leaving, and they liked her so much, and the bishops were trying to keep her uh, from going to America, but she kept pushing because she felt the call from God. And she wanted to go to China first, and he said, even when she finally got permission from the Pope, he said, okay, you can go, but you need to go west, not east. And so that's why she started in New York. But I think for anyone and all of us, right, except for our brothers and sisters who are Native Americans, anyone who is from an immigrant family, especially if they had grandparents like mine coming over in the late 1800s, early 1900s, can really relate. I I had a a really good conversation with the executive producer, Eustace Wolfington, who's actually the one who uh, really wanted to do the movie. He said a devotion to her since he was 19 years old, and they sat down with me, and we did a Zoom call last week for an hour. And before I actually screened the film, they played seven different clips for me in the Zoom call, and then they also shared with me a promotional video, and get this, Matt, I didn't know this, but she was the inspiration for St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta to start her work for the Missionaries of Charity. Imagine that. So when we think about one person making a difference, accepting their call from God, saying, this is what I've been called to do, despite the obstacles, if they keep pushing forward, just that witness. So look at what she did. She created what she called an empire of hope, but it really was at the end of the movie. They show you all the schools and places and, and where she was dealing with not only the immigrant situation, but education and orphans all over the world, and she did end up getting into China. It, it, it's just a phenomenal story of a woman's faith and determination to do what she's supposed to do. And I love the fact that it's shown on International Women's Day. Because at the end of the film, there's this great line when, when the mayor finally you know, says to her, okay, I, I guess I have to work with you because you're this, you're this force of nature that's not going away. And he says to her, he offers her a, a drink, and he says, you know what, let's have a toast. You would have made a, you would have made a great man. And she says, no. Men can never do what women can do. And I thought, boom, because we can't, it, we're different. And that's so beautiful. It's not, it wasn't meant to be negative toward men. This is how I took it. It's to understand that we are very different, male and female, and then we all have certain gifts that allow us to work in our vocations differently and for the good of all. So it's just so well done. And it had me in tears because I'm watching the boat leaving from Italy and going across the Atlantic into New York, into the harbor, and the stories I heard from my grandparents and my my mother's father who came over from Italy, southern Italy, when he was 14, 15 years old by himself into Ellis Isle. It's I think it's a movie that so many people can relate to, and I think it's going to cross barriers because there's so much division. Just heard Annie talking about the Pope mentioning division. The stories in here are stories that we can all relate to, whether we're Irish immigrants, Italian immigrants, Polish immigrants. I was just really well done. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I've heard a lot of people uh, say lots of good things about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm I'm very curious to see it. Uh, the cast looks great. The filmography looks great. Um, you know, when it comes to somebody like Mother Gabrini, you you mentioned 
Mother Teresa. I, I mean, a lot of people know Mother Teresa because she was in an age of media. Right. And uh, she also lived a very long time. Mm -hmm. uh, Mother Cabrini only lived to age 67. Right. She was in her late 60s. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, you talk about getting on a boat out of Italy to come to the United States. And then you think about all the different places she, she went in the United States. As t she also was spent a little time in London. Mm -hmm. uh, and she was all over. The, like, the ground that she covered right. is insane to right. me. Like, just right. geographically speaking. And I think it's also a statement for how the church views women. You know, they, they pushed back on her at first because of the times and whatnot, and because they did want her to stay in Italy because they, they were benefiting from her hard work. But at the same time, they recognized her gifts and, and eventually realized, okay, you know, we have to, you know, allow this woman to, to pursue. But you think about what she was able to accomplish. All the institutions that she started were run by women. And, and that, to me, I think says a lot. And it's interesting when they were showing the movie and they, they have a video of the response from young women. It inspired so many young girls who are in the theater watching the movie because they said, you know, the current culture doesn't get us. We have to act a certain way or look a certain way or we're not even sure if they know who we are, you know, male or female. But she just encompasses who we're called to be as women and what we can, and what we can accomplish. So there's so many, I think, um, stories within the story of her life to which so many people can relate. So I'm really hoping a lot of people pack the theaters. And, again, it's Angel Studios. You can just go to – just look up the film, and you can, it'll come to the website. You can order tickets in advance, take a group. We had um, our World Marriage Day dinner last night, and our faith formation director was at our table, and she said they're planning a, a night for our parish. That would be a great getaway, something to really, I think, inspire people. Because so many people feel – that we're losing the battle in the pro-life movement, that, you know, God doesn't matter anymore. You see a film like this, and you see the opposition, and you'll realize that, you know, with God all things are possible. And the fidelity. And, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me when uh, a saint who is doing a lot of kind of on the front lines work and impacting sort of people like a group at a time and here and there and everywhere and, and, and are focused on that, that very personal relationship. And then when they die and people begin to honor them and then everybody comes out of the woodwork and like oh she helped you too uh, yeah, yeah I, i'm just uh reminded of the fact and this is i don't know if they mentioned this in the film uh but in celebration of her canonization they had a holy hour at soldier F soldier field where the bears mm -hmm. play football Hundred and twenty thousand people showed yep. up yep <laughs> so i know crazy right it's yeah. wild it's wild so mother cabrini mother cabrini the movie Cabrini starts March 8th, and you know, you think about that scene that you just mentioned, it reminds me of the story of somebody else from northern Italy, of course, um, uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frizzati, yeah, and all the people that showed up for his that. funeral, right? And everybody's like, you knew him too? Yeah. Uh, or like Benedict Joseph Lebray. I mean, some of these people, uh, Andre Bassett, mm -hmm. uh, Solanus Casey, who have these massive impacts, and uh, in the light of eternity, you get a, a window into the impact that fidelity can have. So, Teresa. Amen. We'll be listening to you today on Ave Maria Radio and EWTN's Catholic Connection. Have a good one. Thanks. God bless. Have a good week. Bye-bye. All right. 16 past. We're back right after this. Support is from MediShare. Let's see. If something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into. And that is MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save many families up to 500 bucks a month. And that is huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The member satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, really, you can save a ton 
and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now. You'll get a price within two minutes. So see what you can say. This is a very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. Call 877-64-BIBLE. That's 877-64-BIBLE. 877-64-BIBLE. Giving up coffee for Lent? Look no further than the Mystic Monks for a great selection of their Mystica tea to get you through the season. And when you shop their site for tea or coffee, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, check out our online store where you can purchase Sunrise Morning Show mugs and travel mugs. Find our mugs and link to Mystic Monk coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. This is Dr. Ray Garendi from The Doctor Is In. You call in and we will talk about what matters to you in your life. We can put our heads together to help you solve the problems of life and to use your faith to get even smarter. The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Gurindy This afternoon, 1 Eastern on EWTN Radio. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. UN Security Council is set to vote tomorrow on a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. It is expected to be vetoed by the United States. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis offered prayers for Sudan and Mozambique, two areas in Africa experiencing more violence. And in his catechesis, the Holy Father called Lent an appropriate time to confront our inner struggles. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Just want to put a word out to the Marylanders uh, listening this morning. I was uh, walking through the back of my parish and saw some information uh, about House Bill 403, which has kind of slipped under the radar around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the End of Life Option Act, uh, oh, assisted geez. suicide being pushed through. And uh, the Maryland House is going to be voting on it. Call your uh, representatives. Let them know your concerns about this, uh, how easily something like this can be abused. We talk about it with Bobby Schindler all the time, that it goes from uh, very quickly a compassionate option to the kind of thing that people manipulate for their own ends to take advantage of the medically vulnerable. Um, If you care about people with disabilities, if you care about people who struggle with mental health, if you care about anybody who's vulnerable medically, if you care about insurance looking at a balance sheet and deciding how much a human life is worth, call your representative and let them know we are not in favor of this kind of assault to human dignity. Man, prayers for the state of Maryland. House Bill 403, if you're looking for it, it's called the End of Life Option Act. So get informed, get involved. That's all I got. Hopefully we'll have more on that coming up later in the week. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Do not to get the Sunrise Morning Show show notes. When you subscribe, the show notes arrive in your inbox weekday mornings with the list of featured guests, books, articles, and websites we'll discuss. And then you'll also get the podcast with markers to quickly find and hear an interview again or to see the Sunrise Morning Show on video. So to know when your favorite guests are on, 
go to sunrisemorningshow.com and click subscribe. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I am Dominican Father Paul Keller. Please pray with me the prayer to St. Anthony. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. O holy St. Anthony, gentlest of saints, your love for God and charity for his creatures made you worthy when on earth to possess miraculous powers. Miracles waited on your word, which you were ever ready to speak for those in trouble or anxiety. Encouraged by this thought, I implore of you to obtain for me this request. The answer to my prayer may require a miracle. Even so, you are the saint of miracles. O gentle and loving Saint Anthony, whose heart was ever full of human sympathy, whisper my petition into the ears of the sweet infant Jesus, who loved to be folded in your arms, and the gratitude of my heart will ever be yours. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of a book called Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. And uh, Father Boniface, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Great to be with you. We've been talking about uh, prayer and and the various aspects that it, it bears fruit in our lives, and you talk about prayer being an abiding, transformative union. Now, those are three uh, loaded words, but when we talk about prayer as abiding, uh, what do we mean by this? Yeah, so a lot of times when we start out our, our prayer lives, we think, um, did you pray? And and that means I said a Hail Mary or an Our Father or a rosary or some kind of concrete expression of prayer, something that I I did, accomplished, completed, but but really, prayer is uh, about a relationship with God, and as Jesus invites us, um, we just had the gospel uh, a day or two ago, I guess, the uh, to when the apostles say, "Where, Master, where are you abiding?" He says, "Come and see," and then they abided with him that day. So to remain with somebody, to abide in somebody, likewise, Jesus when he talks about the vine and the branches, says, abide in me as I abide in you. So it's, a, it's an ongoing, constant uh, being together that's, that's very different from saying a prayer. And, and that's really what we're, we're aiming at. It's even deeper in that case than any other relationship, because every other relationship is uh, bounded by skin, you might say. Uh, we're always on the outside of each other, even if by our intentionality, our intimacy, our self-revelation, our um, sharing of our hearts, we are more inside uh, one person or they are more inside us than uh, another person, and there, there can develop a, a certain kind of abiding between two human beings in very deep relationship, and certainly married couples would, would aim for that kind of thing. 
deep friendships, but um, but with the Lord, He really lives in us, and we can really remain and live in Him. And so, so yeah, abiding is uh, is is one descriptor as uh, of of what we're aiming at for prayer, the depths of, of friendship that we were aiming for with the Lord. You know, this hits a little bit different uh, depending on when in the year you're talking about it, and a lot of people have been snowed in lately, and I don't know uh, how many of our listeners have gotten <laughs> snow days uh, on the calendar. And I can tell you that uh, my family and I all abide in the same abode, right? We all live in the same house. <laughs> Uh, we come and go to school and work and the grocery store and church and practices and all these other things. But when you're sort of like snowed in and it's not even enough good snow to actually kind of play in quite yet and you're just in there, uh, it's a different sort of dynamic when you are occupying the same space all the time. You have to sort of figure out a new sort of method of being <laughs> as opposed to that sort of transitional kind of life where we're like, ah, we'll get together for dinner. You know, I mean, it's a different sort of thing to have that like truly abiding ongoing constant relationship. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great description. And even in that space, we tend to, uh, even if there's limited space, we tend to find our own space and, and find ways to, yeah, uh, to separate hide corners. a little bit of distance. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, when it comes to this idea of abiding, I, I find it fascinating that, you know, you mentioned the gospel from this past week where the, uh, you know, the disciples, Andrew, uh, among them says, Lord, where are you staying is sometimes how we see it translated. Or you talked about uh, the vine and the branches. So often uh, we hear that translated, remain in me and I will remain in you, uh, when that word can also be abide in both of those places. And uh, we find in, in both the case of the disciples who followed Jesus home and the case of a vine connected to branches that it's not just a static thing. Like, people are changed by this, right? And when you say this uh, this change, this transformative union, like, how should, this, how should we be uh, understanding the way this should manifest in our lives? Well, the, the fundamental thing that's always important to remember is uh, is charity. God is love, and and we're talking about transformation into holiness. Holiness is being like God, who is love. So, what we're talking about being transformed into is into greater and greater charity, charity which is uh, a self forgetfulness and a self gift. Uh, an attentiveness to the other and a, and a, uh, a willingness to, to give, also an openness to receive, a letting ourselves be loved. We're being brought up into the very dynamic of the Trinity, the Father, the way that the Father loves the Son and the Son receives the Father's love and returns that love in uh, a relationship of, of mutual abiding love. So that transformation into God is another way to say it. We can talk about divinization, that we are uh, made to be like Him. And and in heaven we will be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. But this is part of the process towards that final end, when we are able to truly be like Him, totally transparent, totally available. So, um, yeah, there is a, a transforming power that happens through our lives of prayer, through our abiding with Him, that is uh, a part of the yeah, part of the goal of our prayer life. 
Well, it's great stuff, and we appreciate you, Father Boniface Hicks, and uh, the, the really great way you've broken some of this down in your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. Thank you. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, you too, Matt. And, of course, not only can you find Father Boniface and his works linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, you can also download a little flyer for your parish that says Switch to Catholic Radio for Lent. And uh, you can even print out like a little sheet that's got a bunch of business cards that you can cut up and pass out to the people in your parish who are looking for good Lenten resources to help them through as we journey towards the Easter season. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says he pulled out of ceasefire negotiations over the war in Gaza because of what he called delusional demands by Hamas. They're calling for a permanent ceasefire and the release of more than 1,500 prisoners from Israeli jails. Netanyahu also said Israeli forces will continue their offensive in the southern border town of Rafah, where more than a million Palestinians have been seeking refuge. Meanwhile, UN Security, the U.N. Security Council is set to vote tomorrow on a ceasefire resolution in the Israel-Hamas war. The U.S. is expected to veto it. In Washington, Congress is apparently one vote away from giving Ukraine a $60 billion foreign aid package, and President Biden is confident it will pass. A statement by the White House blamed Ukraine's retreat from a city seen as a key stronghold on congressional inaction after Ukrainian soldiers had to ration ammunition due to dwindling supplies. Meanwhile, a human rights group says more than 400 supporters of Alexei Navalny have been arrested since the Russian opposition leader died last week. He died Friday in a maximum security prison in northern Russia. The group OVD Info, which monitors political arrests in Russia, said since Navalny's death, People have been arrested for simply placing flowers at one of his memorials. The group says more than 200 arrests have taken place in St. Petersburg alone, with some sentenced up to a week in jail. The 47-year-old Navalny was a harsh critic of Russian leader Vladimir Putin. In his Angelus Address catechesis yesterday, Pope Francis reflected on Jesus' temptation in the desert. From Vatican Radio, Linda Bordoni reports. Reflecting on the symbolic significance of the wilderness, the Pope urged Christians to delve into silence, to explore their inner worlds and connect with the truth. Highlighting that in a symbolic sense, the wild beasts and angels that accompanied Jesus in the desert are also present in our own inner worlds, the Pope described the wild beasts as disordered passions that aim to seize our hearts, and he warned of their seductive nature, that he said, if we are not careful, risk tearing us apart. He named them as the lust for wealth, as the vanity of pleasure, and as the craving for fame. The Pope said we need to tame and fight these inner wild beasts to prevent them from devouring our freedom. Lent, he said, is the right time to do this. Then, focusing on the angelic presence in the desert, the Pope said angels are God's messengers who help us who do good. Underlining the transformative power of divine inspirations, the Pope explained how these inspirations unify and bring harmony to our hearts, providing a taste of Christ and the flavor of heaven. Stressing the importance of silence and prayer to discern these divine thoughts and feelings, the Holy Father reiterated that Lent 
is the time to do this. La quaresima è tempo di fare questo. Pope Francis concluded with two crucial questions. What are the disordered passions, the wild beasts that agitate in my heart? And am I considering retreating into the wilderness, dedicating space to silence, prayer, adoration, and listening to the word of God? May the Holy Virgin, who kept the word and did not let herself be touched by the temptations of the evil one, help us on our way. I'm Linda Bordoni. Nearly all of California is under a flood watch as another atmospheric river rolls in off the coast. The state is still saturated from the last powerful storm system system that swept off in the Pacific, which dumped record amounts of rain. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin will not be running for president following months of speculation that he would launch a third-party bid. Brian Shook reports. Manchin made the announcement Friday morning in a speech at West Virginia University. The Democrat had appeared at events for the organization No Labels, which is overseeing a ballot access initiative for a potential independent bid in November. Manchin, who announced he would not seek another term for his Senate seat, had not ruled out a run for president until now. I'm Brian Shook. Wall Street is dark today with stock markets closed in observance of presidents day, the U.S. bond market will also be closed. Trading picks up again tomorrow. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the... During this season of Lent, may we suggest giving up the coffee shop and making your coffee at home? You could practice this little penance while giving a few alms by purchasing Mystic Monk Coffee. You'll support both the monks and the show because we earn a commission when you go to them through our link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Also at our site, get yourself a Sunrise Morning Show mug, which you can find in our online store. Grab a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee through sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. A very common Roman Latin name is Gaius. In the New Testament, this name belongs to a fellow Christian whom John praises in his brief third letter. It seems this Gaius was a very generous person. He was kind to strangers who came to visit on a mission to spread the word of the gospel. It is a window to life in the early church. As we so often see in Paul's letters, Christians opening their homes to missionaries like Paul and the visitors to this Gaius. We know, for example, that Paul stayed with the Christians Aquila and Priscilla in Corinth and later in Ephesus, and he later on stayed with a man named Jason in Thessalonica. On the other side of the spectrum from figures like Gaius, there were members of the church not as generous. John mentions one of them. His name was Diotrephes. John describes him as someone who likes to put himself first. John plans to visit Diotrephes and speak to him. We should take Gaius as our model of generosity. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear.
Joining us again on the Sunrise Morning Show is Bear Wozniak. We've been doing a series on his book, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Bear, welcome back. Aloha. Uh, Good to be back on the show. I'm excited to get to talk to you about standards today. What do you mean by standard? Mm. Well, you know, the book is 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? So, uh, you know, rules uh, are, are, or, or a standard are things that we live by. You know, the, um, in, in the book, one of the chapters is every man's got to have a creed or a code. Or, oh, every man has to have a creed and a code that he can live by. That's something John Wayne said in one of the Westerns. And so mm-hmm. creed is like a one-sentence statement. Like my personal creed is that the most radical quest a man can pursue in life is to abandon himself to the wild adventure of God's will. That's a very personal approach to, I guess, the, 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 the purpose that God, the way God wired me, the way I came back reloaded, you know, to, to live. Um, so everyone has their own unique creed. Uh, but then how do you live that out? For example, the Marines have a, the saying, Semper Fi, always be faithful. But then they also have a code, the rules they live by, never lie, never cheat or steal, abide by integrity, respect, human dignity, um, things like that with, that we live out our life yeah. by. I'm a Benedictine oblate, so there's the rules of, Bene- of St. Benedict that we live by. And in my mm-hmm. book, uh, I, we talk about having a creed, but like 12 of my rules are, are the chapters. Uh, know your creed, live by your code, ride for the brand, be a man of your word, be dangerous, make a stand, bridle your passions so that good things run wild, don't be a drifter. Seek God's purpose for you. So these are rule. These are some of the rules that we live by. And cowboys have a code. Um, it's an unwritten code, but uh, like never shoot, shoot first. Live yeah. each day with honesty and courage. Take pride in your work. Always finish what you start. These are the kind of rules that we live by. And so we talk about how it's a standard. Well, back in the cowboy days, uh, the mounted cavalry when they rode into battle. They arrayed themselves in battalions, and each of them had a flag uh, that they called a standard. So the general, when he was marshalling his troops and making decisions about where he would send his troops, he could identify the different uh, the different battalions or the different troops by their standard, by their flag. And so that's what I think for us we need to, and also the standard that flag that there was always a flag bearer. It was a very brave thing to be to be carrying that flag. And, you know, if it fell, they would rush to re, to re-raise that standard. It was called a standard. And so the confusion of battle, the men knew that was where they needed to rally to. And so in, the, in our own lives, we need to raise standards in our lives and know that that's our rallying point. When things become confusing, confusing be that man, be that person, have that yeah. type of uh, rule that you live by. Well, and keep your eye on that standard, right? So you mm. know where to be in the midst of battle. Yeah, I- exactly. The thing is that we, it, 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 cowboys, they're known to be very quick with making decisions, especially in a crisis situation. Uh, they know what, how, as Aquinas would say, to how to tr- pursue the true good. That's the virtue of prudence. They, could, they were very quick at making decisions. Why? Because they knew what their standard was. They didn't have to be clever or conniving. They knew, you know, what, 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 uh, what it was that they, what they were called to do. They lived by that cowboy code. Yeah. So how would you encourage a man if he doesn't have 
a creed or doesn't have this this rule or this standard or a code how do you begin to to formulate that for your for yourself it's so important you know we have this this zoom video group we have the the, the man cave at bearschoolofmanliness.com and in there we have three years of lessons 36 monthly lessons wow. that we go through as a group the man cave goes through together Great, great lessons, video, audio, written, all kinds of lessons like that. And then good point is that this is also something that the men need to lead their sons through. So this book, 12 Rules for Manliness, uh, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Or Going to the Man Cave, Joining the Man Cave, it's a great place for you to learn because really the book sifts, sifts your, own, your own heart. And for so many men, so many younger men uh, were fatherless or had fathers that you know, they live very confused uh, home environments these days. He said, I, I'm a dad. I don't even know how to be a dad. And so this book helps them understand what it is to be a man by, by going through these different standards, like build brotherhood, how a man treats a woman defines him, these kind of standards. As they go through and read this book, they can also then read this book with their sons. Mm. Uh, it's been really cool because it's been something I've always really wanted to have happen is for men to lead their sons, in, you know, into manliness. And, and now there's a this book in the in the Bear School of Manliness, uh, uh, you know, community that we have uh, helps them to do that. That's awesome. And as a woman in a family, deeply appreciate the work that you're doing trying to foster this manliness. So if uh, a man is listening right now and uh, wants to get a hold of your book or or join Bears Man Cave in your school for manliness. How do they get in touch? Well, go to bearsschoolofmanliness.com. They can they can go to the store and get the book there. I can autograph it for them. Nice. And uh, they can uh, everyone, men and women, you know, so many single moms. Uh, this book is so great to hand off to your 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 son who's it's meant to be a, a son who's 14 years 15 years or older, confirmation age or older. But so many older men are reading it too. But it's, it's, so it's just such a great tool in so many ways. So bearschoolofmanliness.com uh, or they can go to Sophia Institute Publishing to, to get the book. But we'd love for them to come and be part of the man cave. You can find that linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Bear Wozniak, thank you so much. Okay, aloha. Aloha. Matt, mm-hmm. do you have a, a standard, a flag? I mean, do you have your own personal flag? Didn't you tell me? Okay, this is this is really tangential. But weren't you telling me that you? Oh, maybe it was a high school you were looking at that they have like sword, like they they do like I don't know, like foam swords, and they have like yeah, there's like and like house systems, you know, Mm -hmm. in lots of schools and like. At, uh, I mean, lots of Catholic schools have, like, house systems, and even Catholic universities have house systems. Mm-hmm. So, like, even though, you know, you're all part of, like, the same school, there's, like, a pocket within that you can kind of, like, bond together with. Mm-hmm. You know, little, little school spirit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. These are, you know, ways to uh, bond. I mean, the, the thing is, the is war. that, you know, outside the church— when people find a flag or a standard, they, they usually, it's like a, a new denomination. Inside the church, you're like, you got the options of being part of the universal church, but maybe flying under the Benedictine flag, mm-hmm. or like the Carmelite flag, mm-hmm. or the communion liberation flag, or the 
Opus Dei flag or the, you know. Which is kind of You cool. name it. Yeah. Well, that's like the house system within the church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you got to find a, you know, we're all members of the body of Christ. You're all members of one thing. But you do have to find the thing within the thing that causes you to understand the whole of the thing better. I wrap my mind. You can quote me on that, said. by the way. The thing within the thing that helps you. The thing within the thing that helps you understand the totality of the thing better. Yeah. The thing within the thing that helps you remember the totality of the thing all the better. It's about things and stuff, Anna Mitchell. Well, of course. Interesting. All I'm saying is that, you know, don't coast. Find some people who can back you up. Mm-hmm. Give you the strength to to do all that stuff that Bear was talking about, like helping out your family and yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, I'm thinking of like the flag at Lepanto, the flag yeah. that St. Joan of Arc. There were a lot of different had. flags at, at Lepanto. Yeah, super cool. Like that would be a good standard to have. There you Just, go. Like hang it up. When people ask you if you have standards, you could be like, "Well, what kind of standards are you talking about?" It's like the crucifix on there, the fleur de lis. What are you? What, where Where are you going with that, man? Interesting question. Mm-hmm. Interesting question. Yeah. Well, Thomas More had a choice between flying the flag of England or answering to a different and higher allegiance. We get to talk about him next with Stephanie Mann. It's 14 till. Are you longing to hear God's voice? Lord, teach me to pray. The free Ignatian prayer series will open your heart to his voice, to the peace you're seeking, and the only love that fulfills the human heart, Jesus. God is calling you to true joy by knowing Jesus personally. Lord, teach me to pray is free. Just go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red box and order the Lord, teach me to pray series. Again, that's lordteachmetopray.com. For more than 150 years, the Comboni missionaries have served the poorest and most forgotten people. With our founder, St. Daniel Comboni, as an inspiration, we work for the full development of the human person through evangelization, education, and advocacy. Your donations make a huge impact, and 95% are used to fund our many projects. Find out more at ComboniMissionaries.org. That is ComboniMissionaries.org. If you're switching from coffee to tea for Lent, the Mystic Monks have got you covered with a dozen options from your usual Darjeeling and Earl Grey to more exotic flavors like lemongrass mint and blossoming jasmine. Whether you're buying tea or coffee, you can support the Sunrise Morning Show by earning us a commission on your purchase when you click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. While you're there, browse the Sunrise Morning Show mugs and etched travel mugs in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee and tea at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN uses the power of radio to reach people whenever and wherever they're searching for answers to questions about their Catholic faith. EWTN radio is heard on over 500 domestic and international AM and FM radio affiliates. For a complete list of programs and how to hear EWTN radio, visit EWTN.com and click radio. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Hi, this is Janet Williams. Please join us for Women of Grace today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on EWTN Radio. Wipe that sleep out of your eyes and now back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 
Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can tune in on EWTN TV and radio for Mother Angelica Live Classics. Of course, she, the founder, foundress of EWTN, sharing her wit and wisdom every Tuesday night. So tune in tomorrow night on EWTN TV or radio for Mother Angelica Live Classics. The Sunrise Morning Show continues, and Stephanie Mann is joining us again from her blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Anna. Good so to talk to you. Today. It is good to talk to you yes. as well. We've been using Father Henry Sebastian Bowden's book, yes. Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors, for mm-hmm. many conversations now. And we're going to be using two particular entries in that book to take us through Lent. What are they? Right. This is, uh, he divides today for February 19th and the 20th. Uh, he divides uh, Thomas More's A Godly Meditation, which was a prayer that Thomas More wrote as he'd been uh, imprisoned in the Tower of London in 1534. And it sets out his plan, I think you'd say, for the long Lent that he spent meditating Mm. on the Lord's passion and preparing for his own death, either in prison because he was ill, he was having heart problems, or by execution because he knew, of course, that he was never going to swear the oaths that were going to be offered to him and that that Henry VIII and the powers that were were going to close in on him. So it's a beautiful prayer of him setting out his path for the rest of his life. And I thought, first I thought, oh, well, we could just talk about this on mon- on one day. But then I thought, no, this is a also a, for us, it could be a good guide to Lent and what we do during Lent. Because Lent is a process of us giving up things be- because of the things we want to gain. Because that's that's the kind of exchange that we're making in, in throughout Lent. And that's what Thomas More does throughout this prayer. And I think the other thing about it is, I I think at least this was hard for Thomas More. It sounds very if if you read it and especially if you read it out loud, the language is very mellifluous. It's very calm. It's very steadfast. But this was a terrible thing for a man like Thomas More to face. And I think many of us, as we face Lent, we take, face terrible things that we are going to try to do to change our life. Terrible because they're hard and terrible because they're wondrous. They're amazing of the transformation they can can bring and so that's why i said let's let's talk about it all all Lent yeah. because it's it's huge i think it's a fabulous setting out fabulous idea and you're right huge what he's setting out to do i mean knowing what he endured in prison and leading up to his his trial and and execution and i've mentioned this many times since we have been doing these reflections based on on Father Bowden's book, how much I appreciate the meat that you put on the bones from these entries, because uh, the the two entries, which he calls in the shadow of death, Mm -hmm. one and two, are basically just the text of this prayer followed by um, just a Bible verse that Mm -hmm. uh, that Father Bowden puts at the bottom and you wonder it says so i'm going to read the two bible verses and then Mm -hmm. you can explain why these two bible verses are so fitting 
for why they would be coupled with this prayer that Thomas More wrote. It's mm. uh, from from Luke to enlighten them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to direct our feet into the way of peace. Now, can you talk about why it's so appropriate that, that those <laughs> verses would be chosen? Well, one thing, of course, that's from the end of the Benedictus. And so anyone who prays either the Magnificat morning prayer or morning prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours is familiar with these verses. And this is indeed what uh, uh, is being set out for anyone who's going to try to lead people to Christ or lead themselves to Christ is this is their pattern is to evade that darkness and, and the shadow of death and enter into the way of peace. And that is exactly what Thomas More is facing. He is in the shadow of death and he wants to make sure that he is entering into the way of peace so that he doesn't, doesn't dwell so much on everything he's lost, but looks to what he wants to gain and what he needs, what his, well, what his whole life has been about, but particularly what these next months or years, whatever he was going to face in the Tower of London, what that was going to be for him and how he wanted to end his life with uh, the hope of, of salvation and the hope of going to heaven and not to, not suffering any purgatory. In fact, that's one of the lines that he has in it, to be content to suffer my purgatory here Mm -hmm. not wanting to go to purgatory, but going to heaven uh, immediately. So he has these, these prayers and it is beautiful. The, the, what he has set out for himself. Well, and what I find so incredible is that he wrote this prayer in his breviary where mm -hmm. he would be praying this prayer along with all the rest of the church in the liturgy of the hours mm -hmm. and, and with us today. We pray those yes. same prayers that he was praying and writing in the margins of his breviary. Yes, yes, it it, it, it makes time go away. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the things that studying history does in, in some ways. But also, when you when you're in the realm of prayer and in union with God, time is 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 past. As you know, as Saint Augustine said, "Time is all one to G, to to God." So, we can pray for something in the past. And it, we don't know what the effect it has had, but we can, we can do that. So even as we go through these meditations with St. Thomas More for, and how they apply to us, we could be praying for Thomas More and, and that he did fulfill these uh, expectations for mm -hmm. himself. And that he did cast away so many things that, he, that were so dear to him that were goods in themselves so that he could achieve greater goods. And of course, from his place in heaven, we can ask him in turn for those same prayers yes. for us as we uh, move through this Lenten journey together using this prayer that he wrote in his breviary in the tower. It's just going to be, yes. it's going to be beautiful. Stephanie, I I'm so, so excited you. that you uh, came up with this little plan and look forward to going through this prayer with you. I do too. Yeah, from St. Thomas More. And of course, you can find it in Mementos of the English Martyrs and Confessors from Father Henry Sebastian Bowden through Sophia Institute Press. And of course, through Stephanie's blog, supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Stephanie, thank you. Happy, happy first week of Lent. Thank you. You as well. All right. That'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.